And as we will see through the scriptures this evening, that Jesus very much is Lord. We don't know when we're going to move home, um, but I'm kind of disappointed if we move before June the 21st. Because if, if things go as the government plans, on June the 21st, we can take the masks off if we want to. We might even be allowed to hug. And um, it, it's nice being up here that I don't have to wear the mask, but um, it'd be great to be able to see faces inside the church building without masks on. So I'm, I'm, I'm almost hoping that we don't move before June the 21st, but, but hopefully we'll move by June the 30th because then we'll benefit from the... Um, Stamp duty holiday, so <laughs> a couple of thousand pounds or see smiley faces, which, you know. <laughs> I've called my message tonight, we don't, want to be, uh, we don't want to be with Jesus, we don't want to be without Jesus. Or... What difference does it make to believe in Jesus? In the passage we've read this evening, we see there's two main events. The disciples on the boat and the uh, Gadarene on land. Both see something amazing in Jesus. And of course, the main thing we see in Jesus here is he saves. He saved the people on the boat from a storm. He saved the, the man from the demons. And salvation is something that, as believers, we, it's the greatest thing, isn't it? We, we, we have nothing greater in our lives than knowing we are saved and belong to the Lord. It's a truth that we rest in. It's a truth that we rejoice in. It's because in Christ, we know the joy of sins forgiven, and we await a future in heaven. And that truth shapes our lives. Even when we walk in those shadowy, dark valleys, because we can see the, the marvelous light of Christ. Wherever we are, if we're in Christ, we're in light, we're in hope. We have joy. And Christ has brought change. We often talk about ourselves being redeemed, ransomed, but we're also transformed. We're new images. We're new creations. There's a, a metamorphosis has taken on in our lives. Metamorphosis, like the caterpillar that turns into the glorious butterfly. The caterpillar of our sin becomes the redeemed in Christ. Totally different from what we were, yet the same. We're the same person, but a very different person, a renewed person. And it's the same whether we've walked in those, in darkness, despising God, shaking fists at him, or whether we've been raised in a good Christian home where we've been taught to respect and honor the Lord even from the youth. When we come to know Christ, 
We're changed. We're no longer who we were. We're different. Transformed and being transformed into Christ's likeness. And that transformation is what moves us from not wanting to be with Jesus to not wanting to ever be without him. So let's take a boat ride with Jesus. Do you like boat rides? Anybody here who's never been on a boat, uh, and I mean a, pro- a proper boat, no, I mean, my, I've been on proper boats, <laughs> ships, not many, um, but I've also been on the things, Alton Towers, I mean. So have you been on a boat that's a little bit bigger and more important than an Alton Towers boat? Anybody not been on something, you know, crossed a, a, on a ferry, crossed into Europe on a, on a ferry, or crossed on a, an Atlantic cruise? A big boat. Have you been on a big boat? Some people have. Have you ever been on a fishing boat? I've only been on a fishing boat when it's moored. <laughs> I've not been out to sea on one. Uh, we know some fishermen in, in Canada, and uh, a friend of ours, he has, uh, he's a Christian, he has a, uh, a boat. He's retired from fishing, but he bought his own boat. It's not a fishing boat. But I, I love the name he's given it. Noah Billity. So it's named after Noah, but it's Noahbility. It's a very humbling name for him, right? <laughs> Noahbility. But he has great ability as a fisherman. And, um, but we're taking a boat ride with Jesus, with, with these disciples. So turn back to chapter 8 and verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat, set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Going out with Jesus means you travel with one who calms the storms of life. Which sounds great until the winds do blow. And the waters crash over our hull. Something we will learn more from experience than from education. And this was true for the disciples. No matter what they had learned of Jesus before now, they hadn't learned it by experience. They hadn't really understood that he could save them in the storm. Oh, they'd have to wake him up. They'd have to say, Lord, it's a pretty bad storm right now. Is there something you can do about it? But no, that wasn't their reaction, was it? Their reaction was fear. Their reaction was lack of faith. Their reaction was worry. And uh, these disciples, they knew what a storm was like. Quite a few of the people on that boat were fishermen. They would be able to tell tales 
of some of their neighbors, some of their friends, some maybe of their own family, where there's an empty place at the table because somebody didn't come home because of a storm. They knew what this squall could do. They had reason to be concerned, but did they have reason to be fearful when the one who made this universe was on board with them? Did you catch the disciples' reaction after Jesus had calmed the storm? Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. The disciples were still learning, very unsure of what they had witnessed and who Jesus was. Let's think about what they had witnessed. They saw Jesus control the elements. He effected climate change. There's no two ways about it. He effected climate change. It was on a small scale, but he stopped that storm. The winds and the waves obeyed him. But that, that, doesn't that give you hope? There's a climate crisis, we're told right now. And we are responsible to do something about it where we can. We should take, uh, make effort to do what we can to prevent the climate changing too much. But don't think that the end of the world is yet. God promised Noah that the seed time and harvest, summer and winter, will not cease until all comes to end. The climate change is not the end of the world. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, holds all things together. No climate crisis beyond his control, nor will any negate his promise. Jesus is in control. He showed it to those disciples in the boat. Peace, be still. And the winds and the waves died down. They came to land. And uh, we don't know what the rest of their discussion was. It'd be interesting to have heard more of what they had to say. But it's not recorded for us here. And they came to land. They, say, they had sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, sometimes called the Gadarenes, uh, or Gergesenes, um, which is across the lake from Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demons into solitary places. This demon-possessed man, as we read already, 
was changed. He had been transformed, not up to that point, but after this point. He had been transformed. And it wasn't just his spiritual state, of course, not just his physical condition, but his whole attitude changed. His whole attitude. Mark tells us that no one was strong enough to hold him, to bind him. There were no chains, no ropes with which they could tie him down. He was so fierce, so full of energy. Night and day, he would cry out in the tombs. They would hear his voice across the valley. People in the townsfolk would hear a cry and know who it was. He would self-harm, Mark tells us. He'd be cutting himself with stones. This man was in a very desperate situation. And Jesus came and he was saved. And it impacted his whole outlook on life. He was no longer focused on cutting himself, no longer hiding in the rocks among the graves, no longer running around naked. He found life and freedom in Christ and wanted nothing more than to be with Jesus. The encounter started off very dramatically. There was no greeting. Matthew and Mark say a man came out and met Jesus, which sounds very gentle. I'm no scholar of Greek, but what I do understand is that word met means with confrontation. This man came to Jesus to confront. He came, as it says here, that um, shouting at the top of his voice. He really did not want to see Jesus in front of him. Shouting at the top of his voice, crying out, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beg you, don't torture me. This passage gives us some amazing things to think about, some amazing truths to think about. Consider this, the disease, the demon-possessed man begged Jesus not to torture him. As we read on, we'll see that the demons begged to be released into the pigs. And then later we'll read that this man begged to go with Jesus. Three sets of begging going on. And the first point, the demon-possessed man begged Jesus not to torture him. This is while he was still demon-possessed. It reminds us that the spirit, being, the spirit beings know who Jesus is. They know who Jesus is. The disciples questioned, who is this? The demon, demons had no doubt. They knew who stood before them. They knew who it was who just got off that boat. James tells us 
the devils believe and tremble. One person knows. <laughs> Come on, everybody. You should all know that. The devils believe and tremble. They're in fear of Jesus. It struck me this morning when we're, uh, uh, Seth was reading Psalm 96. It says in there, Tremble all the earth. All should tremble before Jesus. The devils believe and tremble. So this demon-possessed man, he would say, I beg you, don't torture me. He's trembling. He's in great fear. An eyewitness to this event, Matthew, uh, who also wrote about it, but didn't write as much as Luke did. He fills in a little detail that Luke didn't include. The demons had a question as well. Have you come to destroy us before the appointed time? The demons know who Jesus is. Not only that, they've had a glance at the timetable on God's wall. They know that there's an, end, there's an end coming to them. They know they have not got all eternity to do all their dastardly deeds. Their time is coming to an end. All demonic activity will be forever halted. And Christ will reign unchallenged. The demon, that Jesus did command these demons to leave the man. He had said, come out of them, come out of him. And they obeyed. They obeyed. The winds and the waves obeyed. The demons obeyed Jesus. And all the people were amazed at Christ's power and authority over the spirit world. Just as the, the disciples had been amazed when Jesus calmed the winds and the waves, the people of Gadara were amazed when they saw what had happened to this man. The second point, the demons begged to be released into the, pig, into the pigs, tells us that the spirit beings also know their place. They know their place. Verses 13 to 33. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them into them, to let them go into them. And he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. 
They begged Jesus repeatedly not to go into the abyss, the eternal fire. They begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. They couldn't choose to go into the pigs. They couldn't say, oh, well, we'll leave this guy. Let's go into the pigs. It wasn't up to them. They didn't have that authority. Only Jesus had that authority. And the demons knew it. They know Jesus as their judge. They know their place. There is no escaping his power and authority. We may be afraid of demons. They haven't left yet. I'm not sure if I've ever, ever seen a demon. But I, there was one time when visiting one of the homes that we know here in this town where there was a man who had had some kind of episode and um, the police had been called and I just happened to be passing by. And so I stopped and the policeman says, you know this man? Yes, I do. Maybe you could talk to him. And, and I went into the room and um, this man's face was bright red. His mouth was red. And he was really unresponsive to anything I said to him. I couldn't help him. But he wasn't the man I knew. There was something going on. I don't know what it was. Was it a demon? I don't know. But demons are alive. And we, we need to be aware of that, but we needn't be afraid of them. Remember, they tremble at the very thought of Jesus, one whose permission they require before moving on. Peter says, resist the devil and what will he do? Flee. He will flee. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Demons exist. Be cautious. Don't be afraid of them. But be calling on the Lord, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, including authorizing the demons to go into the pigs. They asked for it. That's what they wanted. And Jesus gave it to them. Cannot imagine really what was going through the demons' minds. They wanted somewhere else. They wanted some other home to go to. They had to leave this man behind. And so they asked for the pigs. Mark tells us that there were about 2,000 pigs on the hillside. That's a lot of bacon. And these pigs were taken, I was going to say taken over. They weren't taken over. They were entered into by the demons. And the pigs were going to have none of it. They went straight into the lake. They all drowned. A dead pig is of no use. 
to a demon. Those demons were now homeless. Next stage would be the abyss for them. The lake of burning sulfur. The trembling demons know why they tremble. They have true fear of the one who has total authority. They know there is no way out, no escape from their judge. They are condemned without hope of reprieve. There is no salvation for demons. And all the while, they are aware when they face Jesus, their time is up. If only more and more from the Adamic race would tremble as much before the judge, before the time. The demon-released man recognized Jesus and no longer shunned him, but wanted to be with him. He had moved from, I don't want to be with Jesus, to, I don't want to be without Jesus. What a turnaround that was. Let's read verses 34 to 37. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. That last sentence is very sobering, isn't it? So he got into the boat and left. The demons were not the only ones who trembled that day. Seeing how our brother from Gadara had miraculously changed, the townsfolk were, in verse 35, they were afraid, and in verse 37, overcome with fear. We can only speculate exactly why they were afraid. They had seen something amazing happen. Why were they not thinking, wow, this guy is amazing. We need to get more of him. But isn't it more the case that they were afraid because if this guy can do that, what might he do for me? How might he do things that I am not sure about? You ever ask yourself, why doesn't the world love Jesus? We know what a wonderful Savior he is. We know how he provides, how he cares, how he loves. Come unto me, all you who are burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But he also says, leave this behind, leave that behind. Don't do this, don't do that. Forget your sin. People love their sin, don't they? If you don't love your sin, why do you do it? 
People love sinning. Following Jesus means giving up on sin. It means leaving that behind. They were overcome with fear. Where did their fear lead? Not to repentance, but rejection. They did not want Jesus to hang around any longer. We don't want Jesus, was their cry. Very reminiscent of what Jesus said when he looked over Jerusalem in Luke 13. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings, but you were not willing. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There comes a time when the rejection of Christ is final. When there is no more opportunity. The third point, the converted man begged to go with Jesus demonstrates authentic faith, authentic conversion, which changes our whole perspective on Jesus and life. The man, when possessed by demons, did not want to be near Jesus. And this is where I was once. It's been approximately 40 years since I came to know the Lord. Before that, I did enjoy my sinful life. But of course, I didn't consider it sinful. I was just enjoying myself. I didn't want Jesus. And the first people who... I grew up in a church, but I never heard the gospel in the particular church I grew up in. Or if I did, it just went in one ear and out the other. But the first people who I knew, people, uh, a couple of young men my own age, and they're still my own age, um, funny that, a couple of young men my own age, in my mid-twenties, they talked to me about Jesus. I told them, you're silly, foolish. But they were persistent. And they had their church praying for me. Isn't that annoying when people are praying for you to get saved? It's going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not annoying. But people were praying for me. And after about a, a year of their witness, I was saying, Lord, if you're real, show yourself to me. I want to know you. I want to meet Jesus. And I met him. I believed. This man didn't want to be near Jesus. He wanted nothing to do with him. In our sinful state, we want to say, stop jamming Jesus down my throat. I do not want to hear about him. But after his amazing conversion, our brother from Gandhara, the formerly possessed man, his whole outlook changed. 
All he wanted after being released from his demons was to be with Jesus. This is the first mark of an authentic Christian. Do we want to be with Jesus? Do we want to be close to him? Do we want him close to us? We want to be with Jesus. We want to be near him, close by, all the time. And of course, why wouldn't we? He is altogether lovely uh, to us who have seen his power and authority in our lives. All who have received the mercy and grace and know his goodness. All who have been released from our demons of sin. Now clothed in Christ's righteousness and in our right minds. We want to be with Jesus. It is a sign of true conversion when our greatest desire is Jesus himself. Not just to follow him, but also to obey him. The soul who knows his or her salvation wants to be with Jesus. Our brother from Gadara, he wanted nothing more than to get in that boat to sail with Jesus, to go wherever Jesus would go. Don't you? Don't we want to sail away with Jesus, traveling with him wherever he takes us? I hope that's your hope, that you would want that. Let's look at verses 38 and 39. The man from whom the demons had gone uh, had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went, out, went away and told all over the town how much Jesus, Jesus had done for him. We don't know his immediate feelings when Jesus says, no, you're not getting in the boat with me. No, I want you to go to your people. I don't want you to come with me in the boat. He had begged Jesus, let me in the boat, let me come with you. No, return home and tell how much God has done for you. We're not told of any emotional outburst. All we read is that he obeyed. The winds and the waves obeyed. The demons obeyed. The saved man obeyed. That is the second mark of an authentic Christian. Obedience to the Lord. Our brother saw Jesus set sail without him. He did not travel with Jesus, but he followed. He followed Jesus in obedience to the call to go and tell. That is the transforming power of Christ in us. We don't want Jesus. We don't want to be without Jesus. Wherever he goes, I will go. Wherever he sends, I will go. Whatever he tells me to do, I will do. Isn't that the heartbeat of a true Christian? Is that my heartbeat? Is that our heartbeat? I want to be with Jesus. 
I also want to do whatever he tells me to do. Our brother from Gadara had no Bible school training. All he had was a brief encounter of the greatest kind. And he was changed from darkness to light. He knew what it was to receive mercy and forgiveness. He knew Jesus. And he obeyed. And how important was that at that time? When his own citizens had said to Jesus, Depart, depart, leave. But Jesus in his mercy, you know, he could have taken the man with him. But no, Jesus in his mercy sent him back to his people, back to give witness, to give testimony to how great God is. Jesus hadn't given up on the people, even though they had given up on him. What a merciful God we serve. What a great God we serve. There could be a time, well in fact there is a time, when any one of us who rejects Jesus, it will be the last rejection. But Jesus opens up. He calls. He begs us to come to him. Come unto me, he says. We began with a boat ride. We end with a boat ride. Riding the boat with Jesus may mean battling storms. But obeying him, whether in the boat with him or on land, going, going wherever he sends, overseas or over the road, is the most joyful and rewarding experience there is. Remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He calms storms, he sends demons packing, how much more would he not look after us when we simply trust and obey? How authentic is our faith? How transformed are we? Is Jesus the greatest desire of our hearts? And is our willingness to obey him the greatest call on our lives? Let us pray, and then after this we're going to um, have another song. Um, all I once held dear, but uh, let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it reveals so much of your heart. It reveals your great love for your creation. How you sent Jesus to bring salvation to all who would call on him, to all who would receive him. You sent Jesus with his arms open wide. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming. 
And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us, whether we have come to you or not, I pray that you would come into our hearts. For those who maybe have not yet surrendered their lives, that you would draw them to yourself. And for each one of us who has trusted in Jesus, that you would help us to really grasp what it means to to say, I belong to Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So all I once held dear, built my life upon. Um, I don't know if you know the song. If you don't, uh, do follow along the words um, very closely and uh, make it a prayer of your heart. Thank you.